0: Children, go back. Turn to Psalms, chapter twenty-two. Psalms, chapter twenty-two. We're going to look at verse twenty-seven and twenty-eight to start. You know, uh, you have to ignore the word of God if if you don't think that God is involved in the nations. He looks at the nations. I mean, he looks at individuals, but he also looks at nations. He Even all his creation bows down before him, and nations are uh, important in his world. Psalm 22, beginning in verse 27, it says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee for the kingdom. Verse 28 is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations it's a prophetic scripture revelation fifteen four. who shall fear thee O Lord and glorify thy name for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest And in Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I want to preach a message today, kind of a play on words. I don't think you'll find this word in the dictionary. Appreciation in your home. Appreciation in your home. Let's pray. Father, As we look today into our country and where it came from, how it exists, and all the things behind it, we should stand in awe. We should stand in respect of the nation that we have. Father, we should teach our children the history. The true history of the nation. And that we would have appreciation for it. But Father, most of all, of all our loyalty to give to you. The only one who is all worthy. Regardless of what our nation may do. Or what nation, other nation we may find ourselves in. be it Before being called as a missionary or whether for some other circumstances. We have a home in heaven. And that's what we're looking toward. And so, Father, I just pray you bless in this message. Lord, may we learn some things today. And may we see things a little more the way we should see them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we celebrate our country's birthday here in a couple of days on July 4th. We go back to July 4th of 1776. That was the mark and you're going to get a history lesson today. Kids, you can listen up, I'll help you a little bit in your history of this country. The Declaration of Independence, and we're going to go through that today, it's not super long, states the principles on which our government and our identity as Americans are based. Unlike the other founding documents, the Declaration of Independence is not legally binding, but it is powerful. Abraham Lincoln called it a rebuke and a stumbling block to tyranny and oppression. It continues to inspire people around the world to fight for freedom and equality, and many other nations have followed the steps of the great nation of the United States of America. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, here it is to the opinions of mankind, requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. It's basically saying, hey, if you're gonna separate from something you owe them, to let them know why. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving to secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should, know, should not be changed for light and transient causes. In other words, they didn't step into this saying, you know, this, uh, we're, just, we're just mad, we're leaving. They don't took this lightly. evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a History of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having the direct object, the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And there's 29 of them. He has refused his assent to laws as the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and present importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with many firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their existence. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subjects subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of, the tri- of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offices, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries. So as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with the power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He hath abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty, and periphery scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy, the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitions for redress in the most humbly humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here, we have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and of consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies and more, in peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, and we know who they're talking about there, for the restitution of our intentions do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these United Colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved our fortunes, and our sacred honor. They put it all in line, and they did. Now, the first government that we had from September 5th, 1774, two years before, to March 1st, 1781, was the Continental Congress. And it functioned as a, prov- as a provisional government of the United States. Delegates to the First Continental Congress in 1774 and then Second Continental Congress from 1775 to 1781 were chosen largely from the revolutionary committees of correspondence in various colonies rather than through the colonial governments of the 13 colonies. So it was a, just a group of people the Articles of Convent, Convent, Confederation and Perpetual Union was the first constitution of the United States. The document was drafted by a committee appointed by the Second Continental Congress in mid-June of 1777 and was adopted by the full Congress in mid-November of that year. Ratification by the 13 colonies, and once you understand this, it took more than three years and was completed in on March 1, 1781. The articles gave little power to the central government while the Confederation Congress had some decision while they did have some decision-making abilities, but it lacked enforcement powers. The implementation of most decisions, including amendments to the articles re- required legislative approval by all 13 of the newly formed states. Now I want you to understand, if you think about it, this was a tough time, this was a molding process. Nothing went easy. 1776 didn't mark where everything turned out beautiful. The states, if you can imagine, each one of them kind of had the idea that they wanted their own power, just like we do, in a sense. We don't want somebody telling us what to do. There was that type of decision. Despite these limitations though, based on the congressional authority granted in Article 9, the League of States was considered as strong as any similar Republican Confederation ever formed. The chief problem was in the words of George Washington, no money. The state did little, the states did little to support the Confederation Congress. They didn't pay their way or some would just pay part of, it was a barring they had. And we had a national debt right then, folks. (laughs) They had to borrow money from people to to keep things going because the states weren't really doing much to do that. Without money, there was difficult, difficulty to do anything against the attacks against the states that were coming in various ways at different places. They were coming from all different coasts, and it was hard for the, the states to battle those things on the seas, on the lands. Don't think, because of 1776, everything became rosy in America. They had to continue to fight. It became imperative that the states unite with a more perfect union, a union capable of coming together to govern and defend its existence and from this impetus was formed the constitution of the United States, which exists today as our governing principle. But understand this, they came together, they had to have a two thirds majority this time is what they decided. Once they got the first nine they were in, it wasn't going to be all 13 this time. And there would be somewhat of a division there was uh, those who would agree with the power, federal, what we call federalist, and giving them power and getting under, but then there was those who are anti-federalists and just didn't want to, uh, the, the federal government to have too much power, they, they wanted in the states power, which you can imagine, just human nature. I mean, these weren't, I mean, there was all sorts of people uh, here The Constitution includes four sections. An introductory paragraph titled the Preamble, a list of seven articles that define the government's framework, an untitled closing endorsement with the signatures of 39 framers and 27 amendments that have been adopted under Article 5 to date. The Preamble. The Preamble, the Constitution's introductory paragraph lays out the purposes of the new government. We the people and you see that listed. Wow, we the people, thats a, there's an importance to that. We the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general warfare welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. The opening words, we the people, represented a new thought. The idea that the people and not the states were the source of the government's legitimacy. It was originally written where it wasn't the people, it listed the states. The articles of the Constitution, the Constitution's main provision includes seven articles that define the basic framework of the federal government. And it's amazing when you hear they are still today. It's lasted. Article 1, the legislature, describes the Congress and the legislative branch of the federal government. Section 1 reads All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Article 2, the executive, describes the office, qualifications, and duties of the President of the United States and the Vice President. Article 3, the judiciary describes the court system, the judicial branch, including the Supreme Court. Article four, the states. Article four outlines the relations among the states and between each state and the federal government. In addition, it provides for such matters as admitting new states. And at that time, there was a lot of states being admitted later and border changes between these states, which happened. Article five we talked about was the amendment process. Article 5 outlines the process for amending the Constitution. Article 6 deals with federal powers. It establishes that the Constitution and all federal laws and treaties made in accordance with it have supremacy over state laws and that the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. So we see some of the rulings uh, and maybe helps you to understand how that coincides uh, with the Constitution. Article seven, ratification. Basically, those who all sign and agree and ratify the new Constitution. Describes a process for establishing the proposed new frame of government. The signing of the United States Constitution occurred on September 17th, 1787, when 39 delegates endorsed the Constitution, creating the convention. Now the United States Bill of Rights, to give you a little backdrop on that. Remember there was Federalists an anti-federalist. There was one running named James Madison who was running to help secure his position and propose these bill of rights that he would have that would suffice the anti-federalists who were concerned about going forth. I mean this is a battle going going through. The United States Bill of Rights comprises the first, and you might find some of this interesting or you didn't know. It comprises the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. Proposed following the often 1787 to 88 debate over the ratification of the Constitution. So this thing was battled after it was signed even, And written to address the objections raised by anti-federalists. The Bill of Rights amendments Add to the constitution specific guarantees of personal freedoms and rights, clear limitations on the government's power in judicial and other proceedings and explicit declarations that all powers not specifically granted to the federal government by the constitution are reserved to the states or the people. There were actually 12 original Articles of amendments proposed primarily by James Madison. Amendments 3 through 12, that's 10 of them, were added to the Constitution on December 5, 1791, known as the 10 Bill of Rights. Article 2 became part of the Constitution, the original Article 2 that was on May 5th, 1992, as the 27th Amendment. Article 1 is still pending before the states from its origination. Now, there have been a total of 27 amendments to the Constitution to date. The First Amendment, freedom of religion, speech, press, assembly, and petition. The second, right to bear arms. Third amendment, quartering of soldiers. Fourth, search and seizure. Fifth, grand jury, double jeopardy, self-incrimination, due process, and takings. Sixth, right to a speedy trial by jury, witnesses and counsel. Seventh, jury trial and civil lawsuits. Remember these first ten, okay, are what was back then. You can see the reason they were having these because of what they came from. Eighth, excessive fines, cruel and unusual punishment. Ninth, non-enumerated rights retained by people. Tenth, rights reserved to states or people. Eleventh, suits against states. Twelfth, election of president and vice president. Thirteenth, you can imagine what time this was, uh, uh, abolition, of slavery 14th amendment citizenship rights and equal protection apportionment civil war debt this is the time of the civil war where these amendments came 15th amendment right to vote not denied by race 16th amendment uh uh-oh income tax hey remember it didn't work because it didn't have any money before Seventeenth Amendment: Popular election of senators. Eighteenth Amendment: prohibi- Prohibition of liquor. Nineteenth: Women's right to vote. Twenty: Presidential terms and secession. Assembly of Congress. Twenty-first is the re- repeal of prohibition. So you have prohibition and repeal. You know those were two. Twenty-second: Two-term limit on presidency. 23rd amendment, presidential vote for DC for the district of Columbia, 24th amendment abolition of poll taxes, 25th amendment, presidential disability and secession, 26th amendment, right to vote at age 18, 27th amendment, congressional compensation. That was the last one in 1992. You know, America truly, Stands out in many ways above other countries and is blessed beyond all others. If you look at the immigration numbers, you might be curious, huh? Where do people want to come to? (laughs) The U.S. has the highest rate of immigration by far. Now, I'd like to say because it's a Christian country. I think a lot of it is because of freedoms that they can have here, but a lot of it is we're a blessed country. You can make it here. That ought to say something. I like America because of its roots, because of its Declaration of Independence and its Constitution, for its Bill of Rights, for its ability to pass the great test of the Civil War, but mostly because it's built upon God, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. As great as our nation is above all other nations, there is only one person, though, worth leaving everything behind and following. There is only one worthy to give your full loyalty to, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. If you've not trusted Him as your Savior, do that today while He is near why he is calling on your heart to do so. Then let it be known to this church. And I would ask that all heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the pianist coming up to play. I hope that today we might have taken a break and looked back at this country and looked at the lives that were given To have what we have today. It's not a light thing. This liberalist world. America hating people. Want you to forget. That. And we can't afford. To forget it. I hope your spirit has been renewed. To serve the Lord in a greater way. And that you have a deeper appreciation. For the nation. We live in and to pray and to stand for its godly heritage. I pray that your home would have an appreciation one that is thankful for the godly roots of our country and the great blessings that we have because of it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. I want to read out of Psalms, chapter 144, beginning in verse 9. I will sing a new song unto thee. O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings will I sing praises unto thee doesn't sound like the latest concert in Cincinnati, does it? Everybody's going ape over. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speak vanity. And you're in this world. And their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones. Think of that. Listen to the wording. Our daughters as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace. There's some signs for your family. Sons as plants grown up in their youth, daughters as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of a palace that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor. Here's one for you, brother. (laughs) That there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Happy is the people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message, Lord. I don't know how you're working it into the hearts of the people, but only your Holy Spirit can do that work. Father, we're gonna celebrate this country's birthday. May we remember, may we not forget, may we fight for, may we teach it to our children, And may this nation serve the living God. And all else fails. We know who we serve. We know where we're going. And no matter what country we may be in, we have a home in heaven. If we've trusted Christ as our Savior. Now, Father, I pray your blessings upon this people. Pray that you've encouraged and enriched their hearts today. For I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.